Chapter 6 My first impulse was to dart into my room, close the door, and hide under the quilt. But my curiosity was even stronger than my fear. The footsteps drew closer. The wooden stairs creaked loudly. I stood frozen in my doorway, my heart pounding, peering into the darkness, ready to duck back into my room if the intruder was someone dangerous. A dark figure appeared at the head of the stairs. I realized then that I had been holding my breath. I let it out silently, still staring into the darkness. Once on the landing, the figure moved quickly. He strode right up to me. I thought of trying to get away, but I had waited too long. It was too late. He stopped in front of me, leaning toward me in the darkness. Red, I whispered. He raised a finger to his lips. Shh. He put his hands on my shoulders and guided me back into my room, closing the door silently behind us. Red, your hands are frozen. What do you want? Again, he motioned for me to talk softly. I fumbled around until I found the lamp switch and clicked on the light. Red was in his coat. His ears were bright red from the cold. How come you're awake, he whispered. He unzipped his jacket and tugged it off. I was cold, so I climbed under the quilt. You woke me up, I told him, whispering. I heard the front door close. Where did you go? It must be after midnight. He sat down on the edge of the bed and rubbed his hands together to warm them. I couldn't sleep, he said. He brushed back his wavy red hair with one hand. He looked like a little boy when he did that. I realized I was very attracted to him. My room's down the hall, next to Lou and Avis, he said, staring nervously at the closed door. I could hear them through the wall. They were shouting at each other, arguing about something. Well, they're married, I said, pulling the quilt up to my chin. Married people argue all the time. No, not like this, Red insisted, leaning toward me and whispering excitedly. It wasn't just an argument. It was a real fight. I'm pretty sure Lou hit her. Are you sure? Yeah, I heard the sound of it. Then I heard her cry out, just a short cry, and then he shouted something and it got very quiet. Quiet? What do you mean, I asked, cold again, despite the quilt. I mean, quiet. I couldn't hear them any more. Not a sound. It it was scary, Ariel. That's awful. Do you think she's all right? Lou gives me the creeps. We've got to get out of here. What were they fighting about? The words tumbled out of me. I was starting to feel panicky. I don't know. I couldn't hear. He stood up and began to pace back and forth beside the bed. I mean, I tried not to hear. I just wanted to get to sleep, you know. But then when he hit her and it got so quiet, I got scared. What do you think we should do? Should we call the police, do you think? My head was spinning. I couldn't think clearly. I don't know. I don't think so, Red said thoughtfully. Maybe they just went to sleep. Maybe he didn't hit her, but it sure sounded like it. I just sat there listening. The silence was worse than the fighting. I couldn't stand just sitting there, so I went downstairs and took a walk in the snow. Isn't it freezing cold out there? I asked. It's not that bad, he said, looking down at me. It was kind of beautiful, actually. The snow was so white, so clean. It doesn't look real. The wind has died down, so it's real quiet. I just had to get out of the house. I, I, I think Lou was a little nuts. He had an awful lot to drink, I said. I thought he and Doug were going to get into a fight. All night, Lou kept teasing Doug, giving him a hard time. I think Lou was trying to provoke him. I can't wait to get out of here, Red said. He sat back down on the edge of the bed. At least we're not trapped in a car somewhere, I said, and then I added, thanks to you. That seemed to please him. He smiled at me. He had a great smile, the kind of smile that made his eyes crinkle. He leaned forward and brought his face close to mine. He started to kiss me. I started to kiss him back. 
He pressed harder and started to wrap his arms around me. I pulled my face away. No, Red, I don't think we should, I said, my heart pounding. He seems to be hurt, but it lasted only a second. He sat back up and shook his head as if to shrug it off. Sorry, he said. No need to apologize, I said, suddenly feeling like a jerk. I just don't think we should. You're right, he said quickly and blushed. He looked so cute I wanted to grab him and kiss him again. I was glad he was being so nice. See you in the morning, he said. I'm sure they'll get the roads cleared by then. He disappeared down the hallway, shutting the door behind him. I sat up for a while, thinking about him. I could still taste his lips on mine. He's a really nice guy, I decided. Nicer than Randy. I closed my eyes and sank down into the pillow. When I opened them, it was morning. I woke up confused. It took me a while to remember where I was. I could smell bacon frying downstairs and realized that I was really hungry. I pulled myself out of the warm bed, hurried to the frost-covered window, and peered out. The bright sunshine forced me to squint. It had stopped snowing during the night, but gusts of wind were tossing swirls of snow into the air. Deep drifts leaned against tree trunks, forming smooth, sparkling white hills. I looked beyond the front yard to the road, but all I could see was an unending sea of white, no sign of any road crew. Hearing voices in the hall, I searched through my bag and then pulled on my last clean clothes, a pair of green corduroy slacks, a t-shirt, and my heaviest sweater. I brushed the tangles out of my hair, then tied it behind my head in a ponytail. Then I hurried down to breakfast. The smell of bacon was driving me crazy. Hey, here's Blondie. Good morning, bright eyes, Lou called cheerily. He was at the stove, tending a big frying pan of scrambled eggs. He was wearing the same red flannel shirt as the day before, not tucked in and baggy black trousers. Shannon, Doug, and Red were already seated around a long kitchen table, quietly drinking coffee. The sunlight coming through the big kitchen window was almost blindingly bright. The snow stopped, Shannon announced happily, as if I wouldn't have noticed already. The plow should be coming through any time now, Lou said, bringing the pan of eggs to the table and ladling out big portions for everyone. Help yourself to orange juice, Blondie, he told me, motioning toward the carton on the table. I thanked him and poured myself a big glass. The radio says there's another storm on the way, Doug said with a mouthful of eggs, so we should get going as soon as we can. You turkeys better wait for the plows, Lou warned. You don't have chains in your car, do you? No, Doug said, reaching across the table for a second helping of bacon. Of course not. You wouldn't want to do anything practical, would you? Well, take it from me. Bozos without chains will never make it. I was out earlier this morning. Some of the drifts are as tall as me. Wow, I said to be polite. That was about the best I could do. My brain still wasn't awake. I suddenly realized that Ava wasn't downstairs. Where's Ava? I asked. Lou carried the empty frying pan to the sink and ran hot water into it. I'm giving my better half a treat, he said without turning around. I'm letting her sleep in. Red looked at me, and I looked at him. My stomach turned over, remembering what Red had heard during the night. I dug into my eggs, but my appetite was gone. I wondered if Ava was okay up there. Thank God, I thought. We'll be out of this place in an hour or so, and we'll never have to see these people again. That thought cheered me up a lot. Everyone seemed to be in a good mood, knowing that we'd soon be on our way home to Shadyside. After breakfast, Doug headed to the front room to get his coat. Where are you going, big fella? Lou asked, following him. I thought I'd go and check on the car, Doug said. Waste of time, Lou told him. You might as well wait till the road crew comes through. Well, I just want to see if the old wreck will start, Doug said, pulling on his boots. The battery is pretty weak. I might need a jump start. I'll go with you, I volunteered. I really felt like some fresh air. 
I haven't been in the snow this deep since I was a kid. Hey, I'll go too, Red said, grabbing his coat. Count me out, Shannon said, since Ava isn't down yet. I'll help out with the dishes, Lou. Lou smiled at her gratefully. He followed her back into the kitchen, scratching his beard with both hands. He stopped in the doorway to the kitchen and turned around. I still don't know what your hurry is, he said to Doug, shaking his head. You are the stubbornest jackass. Glad I'm not your father. Me too, Doug muttered. I just want to start the thing up. We won't try to leave till the road is cleared. I suddenly found myself wondering why Lou didn't want Doug to go check on the car. Why did he keep discouraging us from leaving? It almost seemed as if Lou was trying to keep us there, but that was a crazy idea. I wrapped my blue wool scarf around me, pulled my ski cap down over my ears, and followed Red and Doug out the front door. The snow didn't make a sound as we made our way down the sloping front yard. It was like walking in cake batter, very cold cake batter. That's how wet and heavy it was. It's over the top of my boots, I cried. This is gray, Doug said. He bent down, scooped up a big handful of snow, and quickly made a snowball. He tossed it playfully at me, but I ducked, and it sailed over my head, breaking up and landing silently back on the snow. Let's try jogging, Red suggested, and tried to run, raising his skinny legs high, slipping and sliding with each step until he fell face forward into a deep drift. Bad idea, I said, laughing, as I helped to pull him up. But he pulled the other way, catching me off guard, and I fell on top of him. I rolled off quickly. We were both laughing. We kept rolling. It felt so great. Hey, stop goofing around, Doug said, sounding annoyed. What's your problem? I asked, getting up and brushing the snow that clung to the front of my jacket. This is serious, Doug said, picking up his pace. You want to get out of here, don't you? No, I want to stay all day and roll in the snow, I said sarcastically. The snow is so deep it's hard to resist rolling in it, I continued. Red agreed, laughing. Well... Resist it, Doug said. We had reached the road. At least, we thought we had. The drifts were so deep it was hard to tell where the front yard ended and the road began. We parked it across the road, just around that turn, Doug said, holding a hand up to his forehead to shield his eyes from the bright white glare. Red and I followed him around the turn in the road, slapping at our pants to get the snow off. Suddenly, Doug stopped. His mouth had dropped open in surprise, and he looked very bewildered. I followed his gaze. The road curved once and then straightened out. The snowdrifts followed the curve of the road. Oh no! I cried, realizing what Doug had seen right away. The car was gone. Chapter 7 The three of us stood staring down the empty road. It was almost like staring at that blank piece of white paper my dad used to show me. A gust of wind shook snow from the trees, but I couldn't appreciate the beauty of it. At that moment, I felt only dread. Doug and Red went running around the curve of the road, and I followed. The road straightened out to reveal a deep ravine on the far side. We parked it right by that tree, Doug said, pointing, his breath coming out in puffs of white, his boots crunching into the snow. Red ran up to the edge of the ravine. He looked down, leaning over the deep drop. It's so deserted here, I thought. Who could have come and stolen Doug's car, especially in such an incredible snowstorm? There it is, Red yelled, pointing down into the gorge. Doug and I rushed up to the edge and stared down, following the direction of his finger. Sure enough, the car was on its side, half buried in snow at the bottom of the chasm. I don't believe it, Doug said, balling his gloved hands into tight fists at his side. I parked away from the edge. I know I did. Maybe the plows came through during the night and pushed it over, Red suggested. 
wiping blowing snow from his cheeks with the back of his glove. Doug and I both turned around to look at the road. No one has plowed here, I said gloomily. The snow is totally smooth. Maybe the wind blew it over the edge, Red said thoughtfully. Or maybe Lou pushed it over, I thought. I knew it was dumb, but you can't control what pops into your mind. Back at the house, Lou had been trying to discourage us from leaving early, and then he'd even tried to discourage us from going out and taking a look at the car. Why? Because he had pushed the car down into the ravine? Because he wanted to keep us here for some reason? Stop it, stop it, stop it. I knew I had to force those thoughts from my mind, but I kept thinking, we're trapped. We're trapped in the middle of nowhere, with strangers, with strangers with guns. Now what? We're trapped here, Doug said, his words echoing my thoughts. For once, he wasn't putting on a macho act. He looked genuinely upset. No, wait. Lou can get us to town, I said, pulling him away from the edge of the chasm. I'm sure we can rent a car or take a bus or something from there. The car doesn't look too damaged, Red said, still staring down at it, his cheeks bright red from the cold. We can call a tow truck. They can probably pull it out. You never know. It might start right up. Doug looked doubtful. I pulled him by the arm. Come on, let's go back to the house and call. We're not getting anywhere standing here and feeling sorry for ourselves. We had left the house in such good spirits, believing that we'd soon be on our way home. But now we trudged back up to the house in unhappy silence. I kept my head down, trying to avoid the blinding glare of the sunlight. I thought about my cozy room at home. I wondered what my mom and dad were doing right then. I'll be home by tonight, I told myself. But I wasn't sure I believed it. Lou greeted us cheerily at the front door. Hey, my little snow bunnies, look, I caught us some lunch, she said, and held up a mouse trap with a freshly killed mouse in it. The trap had snapped the poor little mouse across the middle, and some of its insides were oozing out. A wide grin spread across Lou's face. Just about snapped the little sucker in two. Lou, give us a break, Red said, pulling off his cap. That's really gross, I said, my eyes still adjusting to the room after the brightness of the snow. Hey, what's your problem? Lou asked, lowering the mousetrap from view. Our problem is, our car went over the side of that gully, Doug said glumly. He looked down, saw that he was dripping water on the alcove carpet, and leaned against the wall to pull off his boots. All the way to the bottom? Lou asked, disappearing into the other room. I had hoped in order to throw away the mouse. Well, just about. It's on its side, Doug called. Shannon appeared suddenly on the balcony just above us. She was brushing her coppery hair. What's going on, guys? We ready to go? Not exactly, I called up to her, a heavy feeling in the pit of my stomach. The car's wrecked. I mean, it fell into a gorge. How? Shannon cried. Before anyone could reply, Lou reappeared, wiping his hands on a dish towel. You sure you passed your parking test? He asked Doug, grinning. Hey! Doug didn't appreciate the joke. I knew he wanted to punch Lou, but somehow he managed to control himself. Maybe it can be pulled out. There's a tow service in town, Lou said. He tossed the towel onto the couch, walked over to the phone on a little table in the corner, and began to flip through the yellow pages. They're probably pretty busy today. I imagine you're not the only bozos who got stuck in this storm. He found the number. But what the heck? Might as well give them a call. He picked up the phone receiver and held it up to his ear. The smile faded from his face. Hey. He tapped the buttons on the phone. Hey. He turned to us and frowned. What's the matter, Lou? I asked, knowing the answer before he even said it. Phone's dead. I guess the lines are down. Chapter 8 Lou swore and slammed the receiver down. 
I don't believe this, he bellowed. The phone's perfectly okay during the storm. Then it goes out when the storm's over. Does that make any sense? He angrily picked up the telephone and heaved it against the wall. Take it easy, Lou, Red said, looking scared. Probably ice on the phone wires, Doug said quietly. I think he was enjoying seeing Lou so upset. We all stared at Lou as he furiously paced back and forth, swearing about the phone. I realized that my suspicions had been all wrong. It was obvious that Lou hadn't pushed Doug's car into the ravine. If Lou had wanted to keep us there for some reason, he wouldn't be carrying on like a lunatic about the phone lines being down. That thought didn't make me feel any better. I still had that heavy feeling in the pit of my stomach. I still felt trapped. No car, no phone, no way home. I guess Shannon saw how unhappy I was. After she came downstairs, she sat next to me on the couch, giving me a reassuring smile and a pat. This is a switch, I thought. Shannon trying to cheer me up. What's going to go out next? The lights? Lou was screaming at no one in particular. One little snowstorm and everything falls to pieces. He started scratching his beard furiously as he let out a string of curses. There's got to be some way to get to the nearest town, I said quietly, trying to get him to stop ranting and raving. Well, if those lazy idiots in the road crew ever got off their butts and plow, we can take the jeep to town, Lou exclaimed. Doug's mouth dropped open. You have a jeep. Yeah, in the barn, Lou said. Well, it has four-wheel drive, right? Won't it get us to town? Doug asked. Hey, he's right, Red quickly agreed. Lou shook his head. He picked up the receiver, listened, and slammed it down again. No way, he said, kicking at the side of the leather armchair. The snow is too deep. I don't care if we had eight-wheel drive. We wouldn't make it. Not with the drifts up to our necks. I bet we could make it, Doug insisted excitedly. Jeeps are made for roads like this. Lou glared at Doug. Mr. Expert, he muttered under his breath. It's worth a try, don't you think, Lou? Red asked eagerly. Lou raked a hand back through his greasy, matted down hair. I don't know. Let's just try, I said. We've got to get to a phone and call our parents to let them know what's happened. Yeah, they'll be frantic, Shannon added. Well, I wouldn't want your mommies to be frantic, Lou said in a babyish little voice. I guess maybe we should give the jeep a try. The radio said another storm is heading our way. It will be good to get you turkeys home before it hits, and before you eat me out of house and home. Okay, I said enthusiastically, jumping to my feet. Let's go. Hold your horses, Lou said, frowning. I've got a few things to do first. Why don't you guys get all packed up, and then go outside and throw snowballs or something? I'll be out as soon as I can. Sounds good, I said. I was so happy we'd soon be getting out of there. Just remember, don't eat the yellow snow, Lou said, and laughed as if he said something really hilarious. Is there a rent-a-car place in town? Shannon asked. Yeah, I think so, Lou said. Sure, there must be. He tried the telephone once more, then, cursing under his breath, headed for the kitchen. The four of us hurried upstairs to get our bags. It took two minutes to pack. I think everyone was as eager as I was to get out of this house. We cheerfully carried our bags down and left them by the kitchen door. Then we pulled on our coats and boots and went outside to enjoy the snow while we waited for Lou. A few gray clouds were slowly drifting our way from the north, but most of the sky was still bright blue, and the gentle waves of snow that covered the backyard was sparkling and beautiful. Behind the house was the barn, an old wooden structure which looked as if it hadn't been painted in a hundred years. Snow clung to the slanted roof in deep drifts, making it look like a barn in an antique postcard. 
Beyond the barn stretched what had to be a frozen lake. It was covered with snow that sparkled in the late morning sun. Too bad we don't have ice skates. We could sweep off the snow and skate on the lake, I cried, a bit overwhelmed by the unbelievable beauty of the scene. Maybe they have some in the barn, Doug suggested, stepping quickly across the snow, his boots disappearing in the deep drifts. We don't have time for skating, Shannon called to him. We're getting out of here, remember? Yay! I cried happily, clapping my gloves together. Duck, Greg cried. I didn't understand him in time. A snowball hit me hard on the shoulder. I looked up to see Doug laughing. Good packing snow, he shouted. Let's see about that, I said, scooping up a handful. It was good packing snow, nice and wet. I heaved a snowball at Doug. Not hard enough. It plopped into the snow at his feet. Shannon had better aim. She caught him right in the chest. It made a very satisfying plopping sound as it hit. Doug, always the clown, fell over backward into the snow. This was our cue to really let him have it. In seconds, we were bombarding one another with snowballs. We were making and tossing them too quickly to be accurate, but about one in five hit its target. Shannon and I teamed up against Doug and Red. Doug busily stockpiled snowballs, stacking them up in front of him. Red tossed his wildly, not even bothering to pack them tightly enough to travel far. Half the snow blew back in his face. Bullseye! Shannon hit Red right in the forehead with a beauty. Hey, no ice balls, he cried, rubbing his forehead, which was bright blue. That's not an ice ball. I just have a powerful throw, Shannon shouted. We were laughing and having a great time when Lou surprised us by poking his head out the barn door. We'd thought he was in the house. I had some chores to do, he called to us. The jeep's in here. Pile your stuff into it. I'll get the keys from the house and be right out. I heaved one last snowball at Doug. It only missed him by about three feet. Okay, okay. I haven't got the best arm in the world. I'm a scientist, not an athlete. Shannon and I win, I cried, and started for the house, very pleased that it was time to go. You win, Doug shouted. How? By taking the most hits? Shannon picked up a handful of snow and shoved it into his face. They started to wrestle around, and she went sliding on her back into a deep snowdrift. Okay, okay. It's a tie, she said, rolling out of the way as Doug tried to cover her with an armload of snow. Hey, come on, let's get going, I said. Look, it's getting ready to snow again. They all looked up. Heavy-looking dark clouds had completely covered the blue sky. I suddenly realized I was cold and wet. My cheeks burned. I tried to feel my nose with my gloved hand. I felt nothing. We grabbed our bags from the kitchen and carried them to the barn. It was only a little warmer inside the barn. The ground was hard and covered with straw. The air was heavy and sweet-smelling. Red found a switch and turned on a long fluorescent light attached to one of the rafters. As the gray-blue light flickered on, the jeep came into view. I don't think I was ever so glad to see a vehicle of any kind. Hey, look, a snowmobile, Doug said, pointing to the back wall of the barn. Forget it, Shannon said, tugging the sleeve of Doug's coat. Playtime is over, Doug. We've got to hit the road. Outside, the wind had picked up and the sky was even darker. Even if we make it to town, I thought, will we be able to start for home before we're completely snowed in again? I tried not to think like that. I started to toss my bag into the back of the Jeep when something caught my eye. Hey, look at the license plate, I said to Red. It's from Alabama, not Vermont. So, he gave me a funny look. Well, why does Lou have Alabama plates in his car if he lives in Vermont? A lot of people buy their cars out of state to save on taxes, Red said. He stared at the Alabama plate on the back of the chief. But you're right, Ariel. It is a little strange. Who cares, Doug said impatiently. We're getting out of here. 
That's all that counts. Hey, here comes Lou, I said. We watched him hurrying from the house in a jacket that did fit him, zipping it as he walked, keeping his head down and out of the gusting wind. He stepped into the barn and stamped the snow off his work boots. Woo-wee, it's cold. He was standing close enough for me to smell the beer in his breath. It's not even lunchtime, I thought, and he's already started to drink. Oh, who cares, I scolded myself. In a short while, we'll be rid of him. We'll never have to see him again. All right, everybody pile in, he said, pulling open the door on the driver's side. It's going to be a tight squeeze. He turned to Shannon. Why don't you squeeze in next to me, sweet cakes? I could see that Doug had had enough. He started toward Lou, fury in his dark eyes. I quickly pulled him back, holding on to his arm. Doug, no. We're going now, I whispered. I turned Doug toward the jeep and gave him a shove. We all piled in. Lou was right about it being a bit snug. The jeep was only supposed to hold four, not five people, and a load of bags. Shannon solved the problem by sitting next to me on Doug's lap. Somehow, we all fit. We were uncomfortable, but no one was complaining. We were too happy to be leaving. Quite a load we got here, Lou said, fumbling in his jacket pocket for the key. But we might make it as far as the bottom of the drive. He thought this was a hilarious joke, and he laughed long and hard, slapping the steering wheel, not caring that the rest of us were silent. He slid the key in the ignition, put his foot on the clutch in a gear shift in neutral, and turned the key. Nothing. Silence. That's strange, Lou said, making a face. Is it in neutral? Red asked from the front passenger seat. Yeah, of course it's in neutral, Lou said sharply. Try it again, Red said, ignoring Lou's flaring temper. Lou turned the key and pressed down hard on the gas pedal. Still nothing. Not a whine, not a cough. Just silence. Unbearably silent silence. You don't have to push on the gas. It's fuel injected, Red said softly. Listen, carrot head. You don't have to tell me how to drive my own car, Lou snapped. Maybe the gear shift froze, Red said. That happens sometimes. Try jiggling it. Lou scowled and slapped the steering wheel angrily. But then he did follow Red's suggestion. He turned to Kay. The engine sputtered, then died. Do you believe this? Lou shouted angrily, staring up through the windshield at the barn rafters. Do you believe this? It's dead. Completely dead. Furious, he shoved open the door, stepped down to the ground, slammed the door behind him, and went storming toward the house, leaving us sitting in silence in the useless jeep. We piled out and saw that it had begun snowing again. It was really coming down. We're trapped, I told myself. We are trapped. Really trapped. This time, I couldn't talk myself out of it.